passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. That is not going to work. What are your names again? My name. It doesn't matter what your names are. You walk around here interrupting the rock you like you haven't seen the sun in 20 years. You like you just stepped out of Oliver Twist. Please, sir, may I have some more advice, sir? You want some advice? Here's the rock's advice. Shut your mouth. What you want. What you want. How about what the rock wants? Allow me to reintroduce myself. I am. Jabroni beating, pie eating, trail blazing, eyebrow raising, talking is done, you're out of your class, no sleep till Brooklyn, the rock whoops your ass. What's going on, brothers and sisters? Coming to you from Theater D, Row J, Seat 7. I am the Godfather Nate Milton, and this is the Rocky Maivia Picture Show, your favorite pop culture and pro wrestling podcast dedicated to the genius of sports entertainer, turned thespian, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Now playing this month, 2015's San Andreas. All right, tuck them in, boys. Joby, forget the basket. We got to do a double tie-in on this one. That car goes, so does she. Door's open. This thing isn't going to hold! Hey, we are in the wind. We are going to crash! Natalie, we are going now! <laughs> Got it! Show me swing! (laughs) (laughs) What do we say we get you home now? I think that's a really good idea. 
Oh, see that? That's a trailer. That's a clip for you, folks. That's a clip right there. So I am excited to talk about this 2015 disaster epic. But, you know, I can't do it alone, folks. And since every Siskel needs an Ebert, every Ebert needs a Roper, and every Blaine needs a Twine, I have two special guests to help me review this film. Uh, my first guest is a first-time uh, theater-goer here uh, on the Rocky Mountain Via Picture Show. Uh, she is another one of the wonderful postmarks who made a donation during the charity event uh, back back uh I, it was four months ago or five months ago but it feels like five years ago back back in the before times ladies and gentlemen uh she's an educator an artist an author and maybe most importantly she's a review america fan so she's she's m- much welcomed here in the theater ladies and gentlemen shane mcdonough is with a shane how are you i'm good i'm good i'm excited to talk about one of my favorite movies today <laughs> Yes, this is this is gonna be fun. Like Shane has been interested in, and waited to, waiting to talk about this film for a minute. Shane is arguably one of the most prepared guests that I have ever had on this program, and so yeah, this this is gonna be fun. But we couldn't talk about a disaster going on in California without bringing in the mayor of Los Angeles himself. He is somebody that has appeared on this show numerous times, uh, you know, and and I feel like it's appropriate that we brought him back one last time in 2020 because uh, this may be the last edition of the podcast for the year, folks, and we'll get into that in a second. Uh, but let me bring in a friend of the program. He's, he's even more than a friend of the program. He's damn near family at this point. Uh, and your crew don't phase him. He'll make you busters pay him. he roll up in your spot like CJ in San Andreas. Like, there's a very specific joke, Chris, that I think, like, you, me, and maybe <laughs> 10% of the audience out there over the age of 30, 35 will get that yeah. Chappelle Show reference. But Chris from L.A., a.k.a. The Professor, is back with us. Chris, how are you, my man? I am well. Um, I need election day to get here and mm. to be on the other side of it. Regardless of what happens, I need to be on the other side of this because uh, <laughs> every pack that I'm a part of, every organization that I work for, it's just been nonstop Zoom call after Zoom call after Zoom call. Like, mm. which, which group have we not reached? What, who do we need to talk to? Where do we need to go? It's all this other different stuff. You know, mm. uh, it, it's, it's been, this has been the I I haven't even traveled this election season, um, but it's been the most busy that I've ever had. Um, so um, hopefully that's a good sign for Tuesday. Mm, and, and I'm glad you brought up Tuesday, Chris, because that is the reason why this may end up being the last Rocky Mind via picture show for 2020, because we are recording this 48 hours before the 2020 presidential election take place. And so when you're listening to this now, you're either listening to this in an America that is woken up to a brand new day, an America that is is woken up to a, a day where we decided to reaffirm our stated values, or you're on day three of the revolution. And so... <laughs> 
before we even get into this movie, y'all, we got to we got to figure out what because you know we have to plan ahead, Chris. You know, right. you know, you, you got to stay ready. You know, you got to <laughs> stay ready in, in, in on these streets here. So, Shane, if let's say theoretically, hypothetically, when this episode comes out, we're in the middle of a revolution right now where we have, uh, you know, let's. You know, not not to get too political here, but we already here, Shane. But let's say that we got Emperor Trump, and he, and he got his side, and then you got the rebellion on the other side. What role are you gonna play in this revolution, Shane? What would be your role? You know, um, I teach seventh grade math and science. I don't know how that useful it's gonna be in the revolution, <laughs> but I'm up in the Bay Area. I know Chris is in LA, so we've got California covered. West Coast will be. You know, doing our best. I don't know. I'm literally like feeling like I'm gonna have a panic attack right now. Panic attack right now talking about this. Like <laughs> this is like a you know, weird time to be recording a podcast and not yes. knowing what's gonna happen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We'll we'll get into some of the like some of the political stuff you know uh, about this film here in a little bit. But Chris, what would your role be in the revolution, Professor? So um, my role is just to strategize at the moment. You know, I'm I'm I I. I, I I think I'm, I'm optimistic going into Tuesday. I'm not overly optimistic. Um, I trust the forecasters that I've been watching and listening to. Um, so um, from that po- vantage point, I'm confident. Um, what could happen as far as them playing around with the votes is another thing. Mm. Um, Trump is not going to graciously um leave the White House. So that's another thing we, we, we need to deal with. But my my point of view has always been, or my thought process has always been, let's win first and then mm-hmm. see what we do next. I think if, if we, we could talk all this stuff about Trump not leaving and whatnot, if we don't win, it doesn't matter because he, he really won't leave. So we got we to gotta win. If we get the Senate, hold on to Congress, Trump wins, it's not going to matter as much if we got mm-hmm. two other branches of government. So we need to be cognizant of that. Mm. So Chris Chris is going to be like like Morgan Freeman in Deep Impact when the revolution comes. He's going to just <laughs> giving us wise words of calming wisdom. Uh, <laughs> and, and for me, I think my role in the revolution, Chris, like if, let's say, you know, the worst case scenario happens, I'm going to be like uh, the late, great Lynn Thigpen in the movie The Warriors. Mm-hmm. I'm going to find me a place to hide out and yeah. just give me a little, like, a transistor radio, and I'll be the broadcasting. DJ, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like a, hey there, cool cats. Be on the lookout. There's some trumpets on the corner of Fifth and Main. Right. Be safe, yeah. brothers. <laughs> yeah. This one goes out to the revolution. Nowhere to run. <laughs> yeah. You you were good, real good. <laughs> you good, warriors. Yeah. Oh, that's a great movie. Like I like the yeah. okay, the Dwayne the Rock Johnson needs to make a remake of the Warriors so we can cover that on this podcast. Right. Cause that, that that's a great random film. Uh so yeah, that's that's kind of our political piece for the for, for what's going on. But let's get to the fun stuff because again, this is a movie that Shane and Chris have seen on multiple occasions. I have seen it for the first time this week in preparation for this edition of the Rocky Mile Via Picture Show. So, Shane, let the people know out there, like, what's your relationship with Dwayne The Rock Johnson? So, like, 
first as a wrestler, were you a fan, you know, back in the day in the Attitude Era and the Monday Night Wars during Rock's heyday? Like, like, were you a fan of Dwayne Johnson as a performer in the ring? So um, I didn't become a fan of wrestling until I was an adult, which is kind of mm. embarrassing. Um, so, like, in the Attitude Era and Ruthless Aggression Era and stuff, like, wrestling wasn't really um, marketed towards girls. So, and I don't, mm-hmm. I'm the oldest so of my family, so I didn't have, like, an older brother. My parents wait wait, a, wait a minute. Like, you you telling me, Shane, now come on now. You need to be honest. Be real, Shane. You telling me all those amazing bra and panties matches didn't make you a wrestling fan? Unfortunately, no. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, like, that's how much I didn't like. I didn't even know there was something happening like that in wrestling. I didn't know wrestling was. A, I was vaguely aware that that's a sport, and I didn't know. Didn't had no idea. So like, I knew of The Rock. Um, the Scorpion King was like a movie we watched a lot in my house. We had the VHS. My mom, mm-hmm. I think, had a crush on The Rock, so we'd watch it a lot. Um, my brother had an action figure of The Rock from that movie. <laughs> so I was a big fan of that movie. Um, and then I remember uh, once I started watching wrestling. As an adult in 2011, my husband, now boyfriend then, took me to Elimination Chamber mm. 2011 in Oakland. Um, and it was my first exposure, like, ever to wrestling. Like, I didn't even know really anything about mm. it. And I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. So I started watching wrestling then. Um, and so my first exposure to The Rock as a wrestler was the lead-up to, I think it was WrestleMania 28, 2012, mm-hmm. when it was him versus Cena. Um, what were they? I think they might have been... Florida or something I don't know but it was a whole like the rock is like the rock has come home and then Mm -hmm. Cena was like you turned your back on us you're an actor and in that um feud I was actually (laughs) rooting for Cena because I was like yeah that's true I only know the rock as an actor (laughs) not as a wrestler so that's my background with the rock um Mm. and, and you know going back it's kind of interesting like becoming a fan of something and having all this like context you have known nothing about so like mm-hmm. obviously i've watched clips from like attitude era and before my time as a fan and like even though you know some of the jokes don't land as well now that the rock was making in his like rock concerts and stuff like you mm-hmm. it's un- undeniable how um amazing a performer he is and how much so many wrestlers now are influenced by him so yeah, yeah. that's my background and then, see, that's an interesting perspective because that's kind of how, like, I fell into Hamilton because I resisted Hamilton for the longest time. And then when I finally watched it, like, there's five or six years worth of auxiliary content and fan-made stuff and stuff that the cast has done. It's like there's a whole other subculture out here, you know, that, that watch this thing and appreciate this thing that I had no idea about. So, like, when when you see that and you kind of, go back and look at the rock as an actor. Cause that's like, that's how you first saw the rock, you know, the Scorpion King and all that. Did you feel like he was a big deal? Like in those early movies, or did you just like, Oh, this is a, you know, some buff dude that, you know, looks good on camera, but you didn't know he was going to become like the biggest movie star in the world. <laughs> no, I, I did. I feel like I did know he was a big, de- like, I remember there's a part in the Scorpion King where like he raises his eyebrow <laughs> and, like, that's a reference to his wrestling personality. And, like, mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about his wrestling personality, but I was like, oh, that's, like, a thing. Like, when I watched that movie, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is something big. And I remember, yeah, like, I'd see appearances of him on, like, late night shows and stuff. So, yeah, I definitely saw him as, like, a movie star mm-hmm. uh, early on. And that's how I've always seen him. And then it's only as an adult getting into wrestling that I'm like, oh, he's a wrestler, too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had a, he had a part 
time gig before he before he finally <laughs> landed on the movies. <laughs> um, yeah, like that's that's great because I feel like a lot of times, Chris, like we are so kind of ingrained in coming up with the Rock from you know the earliest beginning, the pineapple hair and all that. You know, yeah. And so when when you got somebody that has perspective like Shane has, it's really interesting. And so let's keep looking backwards, Chris, because it is now time for the time war. All right, so if you haven't heard the show before, or if you're somewhere out in the wastelands right now during the revolution, the time war... I need to stop speaking this into existence, Chris. Uh, The time war is where we take a look back at what was going on around the time that this movie was released. And so, San Andreas was released on May 27th, 2015. It debuted in, it premiered in LA, and then it had like its nationwide premiere a couple days later. Uh, but May 27th, 2015 was the LA premiere in the United States. Let's start with you, Shane. Do you know what the number one song in the country was? Okay, so I didn't cheat, even though I know you do this, but I've been like racking my brain, and so I've got a couple mm-hmm. minutes throw out some suggestions and I don't know if any of these are right that was my first year teaching that year that this movie came out so like I was not really tuned into pop culture I was stressed out <laughs> being a teacher yeah. so um, was it Maroon 5 Ooh, Maroon 5 what, one of Chris's favorite bands interesting <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's hilarious Chris, Chris got love for that man Adam Levine out here um <laughs> Uh, Maroon Five is a good guess. It was. It is not Maroon Five. Okay, my other guesses are um, Carly Rae Jepsen. Ooh, Carly, yeah, Carly oh, Rae had a season. Yeah. Uh, I think this was a little after Carly Rae's heights, though, because I remember 2013 was when I was in Canada, and like that's why I want to say she had the good time without city and okay, the other ones. Important. Like she had. A, uh, call me, call me, baby, or call me, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was the height of Carly Rae. Uh, so it's a little too late for Carly Rae. You okay. want one last um, guess here, Shane? One last guess. Um, I know the Too Fast, Too Furious folks, or Too Fast, Too Forever, always say yeah. Rihanna. So is it Rihanna? Ooh, <laughs> Rihanna is a very good guess, but it is not Rihanna. Chris, Darn it. I, I, Chris, I, I, you got to guess. I'm gonna go since she mentioned too fast, too furious. Uh oh. I'm gonna go with um. There was that song with that dude, and all they the where, where Paul Walker died, and oh, Chris up here putting clues together. When would I see you again? That one. Okay, Chris. Okay, yeah. Chris. Look, he you didn't go from professor to detective because yeah, and that's that's why I was trying to I was trying to. Stay low key when Shane mentioned that the uh, Too Fast, Too Forever guys uh, yeah. always talk about Rihanna because, matter of fact, they will be on the next edition of the Rocky My View Picture Show because the number one song in the country was Wiz Khalifa and Charlie yeah. Charlie Charlie Poof. See you again. Damn. All the planes we flew, good things we've been through. Then I'll be standing right here talking to you about another path. I know we love to hit the road and laugh, but something told me that it wouldn't last. Had to switch up, look at things different, see the bigger picture. Those were the days, hard work forever pays. Now I see you in a better place. See you in a better place. Ah, uh, ah. Uh. 
can we not talk about family when family's all that we got? Everything I would do, you were standing there by my side. And now you gon' be with me for the last ride. It's been a long day without you, my friend. And I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. I see you again. We've come a long way. Yeah, we came a long way. From where we began. You know we started. Oh, I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. I'll tell you. When I see you again. Yeah, I, I was, if it wasn't that one, I was going to say Hotline for me, because I remember that. Uh, yeah, that was that was big for a while. Yeah. But yeah like, uh, it's funny, because I've told, like, uh, when I was on with the uh, Too Fast, Too Forever guys talking about Too Fast, Too Furious uh, earlier this year, mm-hmm. they had me rank my favorite Fast and Furious films, and I had Fast Five as number one, and Fast, Fast uh, Six as number two, and then Fast Seven was number three and uh, and i was like a lot of that was because of the emotion about paul walker and right. like and they were like oh yeah that song is great and i'm like here's the thing i don't even like that song like i think it's a like yeah. as a song it's very it's like average but i feel like because of the emotion of paul walker and also chris i know this 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 hits you when they did the song live at Kobe's memorial service. Right. Like, because the song is wrapped up in so many emotions, like, that makes it a much better song. Like, like I could be driving home, Shane, and this song comes on, and I'm still in the parking lot listening to the song because, you know, how can we not talk about family, Shane, with family's all we got? Right, yeah. Like, if it, yeah, if that song wasn't tied to, like, specific moments, it would probably be, like, another... Um, wind beneath my wings, you know, where it's a decent song, but yeah. you know, it's, it's still like it, it, it's attached a lot to courtiness too, you know. Yeah, like I, yeah, again, like I feel like it would it, and I I hate to say it this way because it's not the right word, I don't think, but it, it kind of hit the perfect time where right. there's so much emotion and love for Paul Walker that this song has a life that it wouldn't have had if it was just, you know, a, a, a third or fourth so, a single on a Wiz Khalifa record. Right. He'd be playing it at WrestleMania and nobody would appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how soon after this movie did uh, Furious 6 come out? Okay, so Furious, uh, Furious 7 came out. Or Furious 7, yeah. Furious 7 came out a month before this. And the reason we're doing San Andreas first is because I wanted to do the disaster movie first, just in case. Just in <laughs> case. <laughs> yeah, like, I, didn't, I didn't want the last edition of Too Fast, uh, the last edition of the Rocky Mountain Via Picture Show to be Paul Walker driving into the sunset. I'm like, we at least need some happiness before this election, before we get to the death of Paul Walker. So, yeah, th- uh Fast and Furious 7 actually came out, I want to say, a month or two before San Andreas. Okay. So it would have been... Uh, quite a year. Yeah, because it would have been, I want to say, like, maybe February or March. Like, uh, okay, yeah. Which is, that feels like a weird time to drop uh, a, an action movie like that, though, Chris. Right, it, 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 it was. Um, but I, I think, you know, this was, this movie was about proven... Um, the Rock's bankability, which I guess we're going to get mm. into. 
Yeah, let me double check. Oh, yeah. Well, okay, it was just one month. Okay. So, yeah, Furious 7 came out April 3rd. And then, yeah, this came out in Mar- in May. So, yeah, Rock had a nice uh, spring. Right. With, with these two movies. And speaking of nice, Chris, let's get to the second part of the Time Warp, which is the budget game. So, we'll let, again, we'll let Shane go first. San Andreas had a budget of $112 million, which honestly feels kind of low for a movie that's so special effects heavy. Uh, but mm-hmm. the budget was one twelve. What do you think, Shane, was the box office, the worldwide box office for San Andreas? Okay, so I didn't cheat on this either, but I do know, <laughs> as a huge fan of this movie, that there were talks for a sequel. So I know it must have mm-hmm. made... I think there's still an IMDb page for the sequel that has never come out and probably won't, because how do you make a sequel in this movie? But um, I think I'm going to go with 300 million and I'm Ooh. maybe that's too low. I don't know. Or too high. Okay. I don't know. Okay. So Shane is going with 300 million. I think that's a good, very good guess. Chris, where, where, where are you going? Uh, oh, okay. So um, I remember when this movie came out because the, the scuttle buzz around, around Hollywood was can the rock sell a movie because everybody was giving him credit for revitalizing the uh, Fast and Furious franchise. Mm-hmm. So what what the talk was is like, you know, is The Rock really a bankable guy? Because, um, you know, you got... So in Hollywood, the way things go is like you get the movie... Is the movie... Is the brand that the movie is attached to, is that selling the movie? Or is the star selling the movie? Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, a lot of those... Uh, Avengers actors and things of that nature, they 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 make a lot of money with movies when they're Avengers movies, right? Right. So like Chris Evans makes a ton of money in those Captain America movies. Anytime he he moves away from that, um, he doesn't really his movies don't really make as much money. Mm. So with The Rock, see, the, oh, wait, hold up, hold up, Chris, hold up. You trying yeah. to tell me you weren't there on on opening night to see Robert Downey Jr. and Doctor Doolittle, son. <laughs> that was probably the my last ride with Doctor Doolittle because I saw that I saw that one pretty early, and that was the last time I I gave RGJ that kind of time. Yeah, it's like if you ain't seeing it in theaters. If you ain't Tony Stark, we we not here for you, RDJ. Sorry, or yeah, Sherlock yeah. Holmes, one of the two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. um but yeah, so I'm guessing that it. I, I'm gonna because the 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 secret sauce would have been if it made 500 million, then it would have been like, oh yeah, The Rock is definitely guaranteed mm-hmm. to sell a movie. Uh, 300 mo- million is on the low end of that, and I do remember them this movie getting pretty close to 500 million if it didn't get to 500 million. So I'd say something like 450, 460. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Shane goes with three hundred million. Chris goes with four sixty. All right. So the budget for San Andreas again was one hundred and twelve million. The worldwide box office was four hundred and seventy-four million dollars. The millions.
So this was this was a this was a hit. This was a hit. It, it, there's a reason, like you said, Shane, why they were planning a sequel because it made it made some money. But for whatever reason, I I don't know why it, it it never got to that second phase. And maybe we'll discover that through the course of talking about this film. Right, and the the, the movie isn't the greatest. Well, I want to get into that, but it, it it's a fun popcorn movie. But I don't think it like like I don't think it's it's a movie where you say, "Oh, now the I've I've seen this side of uh, Dwayne Johnson that I've never seen." <laughs> you know, it doesn't make you like rethink his career. Okay, well, let me, all right, so let's talk about, let's talk about this film, San Andreas. And Shane, I, I mentioned earlier that, you know, I didn't check this movie out in 2015. I hadn't watched it until this week. And there's a reason for that. And it's because this, the trailer for this movie did something that annoyed me back then. And I guess it still annoys me today, uh, not as much as it did back then. But it's when you take a popular song and you, make it slow to make things more dramatic. And this trailer... <laughs> Wait, I don't even remember. Yeah. Oh, this trailer had the audacity to use California Dreaming and turn it into, like, oh. this slow, melancholy, like, right. all the leaves are yeah, no, they, yeah. I don't, I don't okay, know. I do vaguely remember that, yeah, I do. I, I don't know if they show this commercial where you're at in the Bay, Shade, but they show... They the lottery the California lottery commercial they play that slow version of California <laughs> Dreaming oh, um, on on that commercial yeah yeah That's it's like yeah yeah like this was one of the first times I actually remember that happening like it was this and it was the uh, Gears of War commercial that used like the slowed down version of Tears for Fears Mad World yeah. Like the just, we're just gonna take this pop song and make it slow because that way this movie feels more foreboding. Like, <laughs> and, and so the trailer had like these shots of Dwayne Johnson in the helicopter, and I'm like, you know, it it looks kind of cool, but it also looks like a movie I can wait to watch on DVD just because, like, I feel like the selling point of the trailer was outside of Dwayne Johnson, it was the scenery and the special effects and so you know again this is this is the tail end of, of the obama era and i'm like you know I'm, I'm still trying to keep all these good feelings until this next election and so i wasn't trying to go see this uh disaster film out here on these streets shane oh my god well i'm so sorry the marketing team ruined this perfect movie for you because i love him <laughs> so much but um now that you say that that's probably why i saw this movie because like i mentioned this like spring is the end of my first year of teaching. I was also getting my credential at the same time. I was really tuned out to pop culture, but like mm. seeing a trailer like that probably made me think like, this looks so dumb. I want to see it. So <laughs> that's probably <laughs> why I remember, I think I saw it opening weekend. Like I saw it on a Saturday mm. and I think like back to school night was the next or open house at the end of the year. Yeah. Like, okay. Week. Yeah. So I remember now, that. Now that you mentioned it, this year, this was 2015, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this was my this was my first year of um, full time being a professor. Mm. So, yeah. so this is the this is already the most educational episode of the Rocky Miami <laughs> Picture Show ever. Uh, so let's talk about this here. So San Andreas, uh, twenty fifteen film. It was directed by Brad Payton, uh, produced by Bo Flynn, uh, with the screenplay by Carlton Q, starring Dwayne the Rock Johnson, starring. 
Carla Gugino, starring Alexandra Daddario, starring uh, your, your man from uh, the Fantastic Four, Mr. Fantastic, who I can't pronounce his first name, uh, Gruffled, <laughs> uh, and starring uh, maybe most importantly, maybe the man that even more so than The Rock, Shane, brought his A-game to the movie. Yes. The yes. Rhino himself, Paul Giamatti. Oh my goodness. Such a delight. Such a delight in this movie. <laughs> he is loving every scene he's in. He's having the time of his life. Mm. Like I mentioned in my notes, I know he's an Oscar winner, but like as far as I'm concerned, he deserves an Oscar for this film. <laughs> I feel like there was a like Paul Giamatti is one of those people because I feel like Chris, when you win an Oscar, you either go one of two ways as an actor. You either keep trying to chase like those prestige films or you just do what makes you happy. And so like after uh was it Sideways when he got the Oscar for? Yeah. yeah. Uh yeah, after side yeah, the wine movie. After Sideways, you, Paul Giamatti, like instead of trying to be Mr. Prestige, he's out here doing Spider Man. He's out here doing uh uh San Andreas. He's out here having fun in, in some of these films. And so yeah, I thought uh Paul Giamatti was was a great part of this film uh the cliff notes version of this uh and shane you can add more uh more uh, of the details as we go along but basically uh your man rock is like a fire and rescue guy he flies a helicopter uh you know he's out here saving people that's that's what this man is about uh and then we got the scientist who is uh paul giamatti uh, we got uh, Lawrence Hayes and Kim Park. They the they the science bros. Uh, they're out here, like uh, this this gonna be a magnitude of earthquakes coming around. There's some something going on with all these fault lines here in California. Uh, and then it turns out like a nine point one, like destroys L.A. and 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 San Francisco and and The Rock as Ray Gaines. Uh, the the fire department helicopter pilot. He's got to go through and save people, but he really, he's really not saving people per se. He's really out here trying to save his ex wife and his his. He's his stealing family. vehicles. Yes, throughout California. Yes, every he, vehicle you can steal. He steals it, it really is like Grand Theft Auto San Andreas because he's hopping in people's vehicles and trying to save his ex wife and and uh, his family. And we've got like uh. Mr. Fantastic, that's what I'm going to call him because I can't pronounce his name. Mr. Fantastic is his ex-wife's new boyfriend uh, who turns out to not be a great guy and meets, meets uh, an untimely demise. Uh, like there's, some, there's a lot of special effects, like I said, in this film. A lot of bridges being destroyed, a lot of water rushing through cities, uh, cars being flipped over, fire starting Chris. Uh, but basically, we all wrap things up where all of the important people are still alive, except for uh, Kim, because Kim dies. Um, yes, R.I.P. Kim being a hero. Uh, but all of our important good characters uh, are alive, and Rock and his ex-wife are now on the island of San Francisco, because San Francisco has been separated from the rest of California. I don't know if that's something that could scientifically actually happen. Uh, but the last scene in the movie, and this is where we can get political again, Chris, because the last scene of the movie kind of got on my nerves where we've got the rock and his family and, and Carla Gugino. She's just like, so what do we do now? What happens next? And Ray, a man Ray here is just like, 
we rebuild. Like, Ray, who, who, first of all, who elected you the leader of this new island community? <laughs> Second of all, you stole all of this equipment. You, like, put people in danger. Like, you are not the person that's supposed to lead San Francisco into the next, into the next millennium. Third of all, Chris, like, just because you've been separated from the United States doesn't mean you're not still part of the United States and under the jurisdiction of the U.S. government. Right, yeah. Um, that, <laughs> the, there, there's so much that I could pick apart about this movie uh, as far as, you know, that, that stuff is concerned. Um, I, um, I mean, this movie is so apropos because Paul Giamatti is kind of the... He's the he's the smart guy telling everybody he's Doctor Fauci. What, what's coming? <laughs> <laughs> and you you've got a bunch of idiots not taking mm, mm-hmm. uh, That's very familiar at the moment. Mm. Uh, and then yeah, The Rock just kind of. I mean, I guess if you you know single handedly responsible for saving all those lives and stuff. I mean, who's going to tell him he's not in charge? I kind of is, is he, though, Shane? Is he? He yeah. saved, like, one life, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I have a whole thing about that, about how he's in legal trouble now, and so when mm. he says, now we rebuild, what he really means is now we need to flee from the law, because <laughs> right. <laughs> but, um, yeah. yeah, so I'd say, like, Cliff Notes' version of this movie, watching it so many times, um, Really, there's like two main points to this movie. First point is like it's important for males to express their feelings because if the rock had just expressed his feelings, none of this would have happened. You know, mm, his daughter wouldn't yeah. be in San Francisco, he'd still be with his wife. Like, he has to go through he instead of mourning his daughter's death, the other daughter who died, he like spends his time trying to save other people's daughters and like goes on a tour yeah. of Afghanistan and becomes a firefighter because he can't deal with his grief. So it's about him dealing with that. And then it's also about another important lesson of this movie. Um, I forgot the guy's name. The guy who plays uh, the ex-wife's new boyfriend. Mr. Um, Fantastic. Really yeah, <laughs> Mr. Fantastic. He's like, seems nice at the beginning, seems like a normal guy. And then he mm-hmm. totally turns heel by the end. And so the other moral of the story is you can't trust really wealthy people mm. who will abandon your daughter in a parking garage. So. Yeah. Yes, you should never trust things. Reed Richards. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, but yeah, like I think, and Chris might have stumbled on an interesting point here, Shane, because you could, if you if you wanted to get real with this movie, super real, you could draw parallels to our current condition in America. So did right. this movie take on a different meaning watching it today rather than any of the other times you've watched this film? Um, I, you know, a little part of the problem with like having an earthquake as like the major central disaster is like even though in this movie they have this fake science where they can predict the earthquake it's like mm. they don't have that much time and san francisco the bay area is so like jam-packed like mm-hmm. where is anyone gonna go even though they know it's coming you know so yeah but yeah to an extent yeah like having the expert yeah. broadcasting morning people you know a little bit little bit well let's talk about you know the the, let's talk about the earthquakes in general because uh as you mentioned you know both of you guys are living out in california now i used to live in san diego uh you know so i've experienced earthquakes uh, a time or two uh i think chris uh i know chris has lived on the uh, east coast particularly in the south Uh, have you lived Mm -hmm. out east uh before shane 
No, never. Okay, because I was going to say Chris and I might have some interesting, you know, kind of parallels and similarities and maybe even some differences between going through earthquakes and hurricanes. Because I do feel like there are some things that are similar, but also, like you said, with an earthquake, you can't really predict it, whereas with a hurricane, you can be prepared for it. So uh, just the earthquake of it all in this movie, did it it ring true to you as somebody out there uh, in California? Um... They get a lot of things wrong. I, I also teach seventh grade math and science. So like we talk about plate tectonics and stuff. And so like a lot of science isn't really like spot on. Like you can't, there's no magnetic pulses in an earthquake. Um, earthquakes don't have, like there's an epicenter. You don't have like, sometimes you have earthquake clusters, but it's not like, oh, the whole fault is like, I don't know. There's a bunch of graphs that they show on video and on their, on their computers of like, Oh, you no, trying to, wait wanted. a minute, wait a minute, Shane. You trying to tell me that, that Lawrence and Kim's research was faulty? No pun intended? Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. There's also, um, there's a part, there's like a really weird part where, well, first of all, The Rock lands um, on second base and says like, oh, it's been a while since I got to second base, which is hilarious. Mm. And um, his uh, co-star doesn't like sell that line well enough. But then like no. they're outside of the park and like the earthquake, there's another earthquake. And, like, he tells him to, like, hide in the corner, and he's like, oh, it's the triangle of life, like, where you go to, like, the corner. Have you ever heard of that before this movie, Nate? See, I I hadn't heard of it. Like, uh, Chris, like, I know what I was always taught was, like, get in, like, uh, like the bathroom. Like, that's where I was told. (laughs) If if, if the earthquake happened, go to the bathroom. Like, like, that's the safest place in the house. But, like, no, I'd never heard of this triangle of life theory. Well, I looked no, up, apparently it's not even, like, true. Sorry, Chris, yeah. Apparently it's not even a thing, though. Like, it doesn't help. You're supposed to get under a table. That's, like, mm. basically all you can do. So, yeah. What about you, Chris? Like, did this, like, living out there, going through earthquakes? Like, I think y'all had one last <clears throat> week. Like, uh, like did, did, did the earthquake of this movie ring true to you? Not necessarily. <laughs> I mean, I've been, I was, like, the Northridge quake, I was in like kind of near that that was a bad one that was probably the last like really horrible one mm-hmm. um i was a part of and then the other ones are just were just kind of there um it it rings true with like what's in the folklore about earthquakes hitting the west coast right like because mm-hmm. of the san andreas fault line and whatnot and you know um like philosophers have been predicting forever that um california was going to separate off and you know right is going to be two different states or a bunch of different states you know it's 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 more of this it's just kind of playing off of more of the same um you know um i'll say this um the I, I don't, I'm not afraid of earthquakes happening, but I do have earthquake kits all over, like, my apartment, and then in my mm-hmm. car, if I ever get stranded, I've got, I've got an earthquake kit in there, got, like, a snicker bars and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Chris. Yeah. So, so if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready, Chris. Right, yeah, yeah, I, I kind of take heed. So, like, for me, like, my two big earthquake experiences, like, the first one was when I was in San Diego. And it's funny because I think at the time, like, I, I was in the 10th grade, maybe, ninth or 10th grade. 
and my parents were at church and my sister was at a friend's house. And so it was just me and the dog. And so I was probably watching like wrestling and fell asleep on the couch and I'm sleeping through this earthquake. Like just as, as peaceful as a baby, my dog is going crazy. And I just wake up and he's just like looking at me and barking and like shaking. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? And then I'm, I'm like, wait a minute. He's not the only thing shaking. Like, and like, uh, and so here's, here's the thing at the time, again, Chris, I was a young man at the time. So mm-hmm. I didn't follow all the rules and regulations. I didn't, I didn't, you know, do the triangle of life. My inquisitive self decided to go outside and see what was going on. So I'm, right. open, I'm opening the door, walking out on the street and I'm just like, Oh, this is crazy. This is wild. And it like, it wasn't a big one, but it was like enough to be noticeable. And then, uh, you know, like my parents called and like, everything okay? I'm like, yeah, I was taking a nap and Jesse woke me up and he's, he's over in the corner now. Like I'm going to take him, get him some food or something. But the other one, Chris, that might, might've been even more surprising was I want to say like six years ago, maybe seven years ago, maybe when we had the East coast earthquake and the one that like hit up in DC and Northern Virginia. And that one, like everybody, like all my friends on the East coast were freaking out because they hadn't experienced something like that before. And so like, yeah, like I feel like there's like, there's not a lot you can do with an earthquake. That, that to me is the scary part of an earthquake. Whereas Mm -hmm. at least with a hurricane, like you can tape, tape up your windows, you know, you can batten down, board up, everything and and just ride it out whereas with a earthquake you know you're you're kind of stuck there what's what's going to happen is going to happen yeah, yeah like, like chris said having a kit is all you can do right have a kit make sure that the place that you live in is earthquake proof um if you've got a place that was built like before now it's a requirement i think don't quote mm-hmm. me on this but i think it's a requirement in california that your, the the buildings have to be earthquake proof. Um, mm. There was a time like before was it seventy five? I'm not even sure the year, where the the buildings weren't earthquake proof. Um, so uh, that kind of helps <laughs> out a little bit. Um, and you know, you just kind of have to. You really have to just be use a lot of common sense in those situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's talk about how the rock and, and his family use common sense in this movie, Shane. So let's talk about the family for a second, because we've got Dwayne Johnson as uh Ray Gaines, uh, LA fire department, helicopter pilot. We've got uh, Carla Gugino as Emma as uh Ray's ex-wife. Uh, we've got, uh, Alexandra Daddario as Blake. She is Ray and Emma's daughter. And then we've got Mr. Fantastic as Daniel, uh, who is Emma's boyfriend. And he's like a civil engineering firm, like rich tech guy, kind of whatever. Uh, what did you think of the family unit here in this movie? So I think everyone does a good job. However, Blake's casting Mm. implies that The Rock is just, like, a tan white guy. Like, she has blue <laughs> eyes. And Carla, yeah. uh, I forgot how to say her last name, the mom from Spy Kids. Yes. Carla. Yeah. 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 She has, like, hazel eyes. So it's like, okay, 
Blake is not the rock's daughter, it would seem. <laughs> I remember the first time I saw this movie, I was like, I gasped in the theater because I was like, wait, what? Like, who was casting mm. for this movie, you know? So that whitewashing is really disappointing. Well, and that, that might be another reason why I was, like, turned off by the trailer because Chris and I, you, you know, Chris, you and I have talked about this uh, a couple times on the podcast where Hollywood doesn't really know what to do with the rock when they cast his love interest and his family uh, because he is kind of the everyman, but he's not, he's not a white man. And right. like so often, like his love interest is, is white uh, or his kids are white. And so like, I'm glad that at least, you know, with uh, Carla, like we had somebody with a little bit of flavor, but yeah, that that's not the Rock's kids. So maybe that's why they're estranged. Right. Shane. I, I, like, <laughs> the, the DNA <laughs> test came back, and Rock was like, "You know what?" <laughs> and, and I and I do think that if they try, if if it was even like a year or two later, um, mm-hmm. twenty seventeen or even like twenty eighteen, nineteen, twenty, if they tried to pull this kind of casting. I do think it would derail Rock's career a little bit. I, mm. I really do. I don't think people are are going for this. Um, the girl that they I forget her name, but she's a she's a beautiful girl. She was in um the Baywatch movie with The Rock too. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, Carla Gugino. Um, she's a. Ta- I think that I think she might be part Hungarian, but um, I'm a I'm a beige brother like The Rock. <laughs> um, and uh I, I i know for a fact that we we just we're just not producing babies that are i just don't see that happening like even if you look at his his one daughter that he's got with uh danny garcia um mm-hmm. she she she's definitely more ethnic if you want to use that word than what they got going on with um the, the girl uh in that in the San Andreas movie man that was I, that I think is, the best uh the yeah. best casting that they that we've seen was back in the game plan where Madison yeah. Pettis played his daughter because like you can believe that that's the rock's kid and like uh, I feel like so often Shane like they don't know what to do with Dwayne because he's something that appeals to everybody so, like, you can do different things, but, like, The Rock is black and Samoan, so, like, his any yeah. offspring that he has should at least kind of have some hints of that ethnicity. Yeah, right. and the movie just doesn't engage with it, but it's, like, very no. shocking. <laughs> the first time you're well, like, what? They've done, like, they've done some good jobs, like, with, with him and, um, what's the the movie, the Jumanji like mm-hmm. the, the 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 kid version of him, like that's fine. You know what I'm saying? It, it, he was. It's you. You could. I could see how The Rock could have probably looked like that as a kid. Um, <laughs> yeah, or the um the one that they did where his kid um the snitch movie. Yeah, and yeah. That was you know within the realm as well. This is this movie right here is just. <laughs> is it's not even close, man. It's 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 laughable, like you know, to 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 do that, and it's and it's mm. um, it it is, seems like they're trying to do the, the white rush, white washing to the rock, you know, mm. not even with the kids so much, but just like 
the rock is not white you know no just, but you know. but the thing with the rock is like the rock isn't white right but in hollywood's eyes like he's this everyman character and the rock is right. like he's almost like a unicorn where he gets a lot of roles that i don't think you know a samoan actor or you know a black actor like like somebody that wasn't the rock they're not getting these roles because right. They're not the everyman. They're not Bruce Willis. They're not Mel Gibson. Like these are, they're not Chris Evans. You mentioned Chris Evans earlier. These are the kind of roles that those guys would get. And the rock gets it because he's so good and everybody loves him. Uh, But I still think the worst one for me has to be gridiron gang, because not only did we have the rock playing this football coach, who was a clearly, clearly a Caucasian man, but the rock's mother in the movie is black. Yeah. And I'm like, I like, yeah, like it's a, it's a weird thing when it comes to the way that Hollywood kind of portrays race when it comes to the rock. It's very similar to wrestling though, Shane, because even though the rock is like the first black WWF slash E champion, like they never portrayed him as a black dude and they barely portrayed him as a Samoan dude. Yeah, no, I've, I feel like. I might have not known he was half black until I became a wrestling fan and like became educated because mm. I just knew he was in the Scorpion King, didn't know much about him. And like, yeah, I feel like it's not something that gets or has wasn't talked about a lot, which is a bummer. And I feel like I don't know if you know, but like, does The Rock really talk about that so much? Like, I wonder how much control he has in casting mm. of movies he's in. Maybe at this time he didn't, and maybe now that he's you know, reach more fame he does, but you know. It's something he doesn't talk about often, but when he when it's addressed to him, he will address it, you know, because he's like, yeah. I want to say maybe a year ago, Chris, there was some controversy on Twitter and somebody was like, you know, the Rock ain't black, this or that. And he, you know, put a picture of himself in Rocky Johnson. He's like, you know, yeah. this is my father. Like, I'm, I'm Samoan and black and I respect both sides of yeah. my culture. So, like, he's not I don't know if The Rock is comfortable telling Hollywood, like, right. this, is, and, this is what my family's going to look like. But he also, like, he's proud of his heritage, but I don't know how far he's going to go in terms of pushing for that on the screen, Chris. Yeah, and I think there's this thing with, um, you know, a lot of people where The, the Rock is um, a biracial guy. Um, and um, it's like you got to pick your side, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If you don't pick one side, it's, it, people kind of take it as you rejecting the other side. Like, um, I um, um, am part of indi- indigenous, you know, mm-hmm. I've got full-blooded um, Native American relatives. Um, I, I clearly chose the black side, um, <laughs> but uh, I'm starting to uh, identify the, the black the black delegation won you in the racial draft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I'm starting to embrace the um, ind- indigenous side uh, mm-hmm. more. You know what I'm saying? And I think the rock. I mean, the thing about being black in this country, not to give the whole history lesson, is the rock has a lot of Samoan culture. Um, and, um, like rituals and stuff that he identifies with, you know what I'm saying? That he went through as a kid. Um, part of that is because he was closer to his mother than than his father. Yeah. His, yeah. His dad was an, um, escaped his, his parents were escaped or grandparents were escaped slaves that flew, that fled to Nova Scotia. Um, 
and that's how the black side of him exists. And I don't know if he's got too much of. I'm, I'm sure he's got the black culture going on, but it's just the Samoan culture. You go through these rites of passages that our people just don't have. So mm-hmm. when he embraces that stuff, like gets the tribal tattoo and all that, some people might be, look at it as him um, rejecting his black side. But I don't. I don't look at it like that at all. I look yeah. at it like you know this is a part of his culture. And um, it, it's perfectly fine. And if you go to county jail out here, uh, blacks and Samoans have to stick together. So it's just uh, it's it's one of those things. When it's the and the other thing, Chris, is like when you talk about black culture in America, it's a very unique thing that is very American, right? Whereas, right. like if you look at you know Samoans, or if you look at Italians, or if you look at indigenous people you know there's like they can trace the lineage back uh for the most part whereas when you look at black culture in america it's almost a new thing that has kind of been created out of the remnants of slavery and the remnants of jim crow and all this other stuff so it's like unless you really are out here trying to trace your roots back to africa and and get connected to that culture all you know is what is the black culture in your city or your state and so, right. yeah, like if I'm the rock and I have a better relationship with my mom and her family than I do with my dad, like, yeah, I'm going to tend to identify more well, with my Samoan well, side. Well, here's the thing with that, too, though. I don't even think it's so much a, a, that he had a better relationship with his mom, although he clearly did. His dad was in the Samoan culture as well. Like, all of them accepted Rocky Johnson as a family member and it's, yeah. it's that's very very well documented you know he's a he's pretty much an honorary um Samoan so and I mean from a from a from a guy for a guy like Rocky Johnson who didn't have the most stable upbringing as a child mm-hmm. that was what that was the culture that he knew too yeah. so it's 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 both of those things man they, they and that's and people kind of have to just kind of understand that certain people there's just layers to us you know what i'm mm-hmm. saying the rock the rock has many layers to and it. then like, again when you yeah. throw in that canadian on top of it it's a whole yeah. other stuff. i know right yeah it's like you got the canadian like it's like how many mixtures can one guy have you yes canadian american Samoan, uh, everything yeah so but yeah like that like that that's an interesting discussion i think it won't be the last time we have it on this podcast because there are some interesting choices made down the line when it comes to Rock's family members in these films. Uh, the last thing I'll say on this before we continue, though, Shane, is like, you know, I, one day I, too, aspire to to be accepted into the Samoan culture like Rocky Johnson was. Um, and, and so, you know, I'm just going to keep I'm going to keep shooting my shot at Nia Jackson until it happens. I'm like, I'm like <laughs> Hamilton. I'm not throwing away my shot. Oh my goodness! Just yeah. like my country, I'm young, scrappy, and hungry, Shane. Uh, but we talked about the Rocks family in the movie. Let's talk about another kind of familiar, familial group in this film. And you had an interesting theory I saw in in, in the notes that you sent me that you took on the film. So let's talk about Paul Giamatti as uh, Dr. Lawrence Hayes and uh, William Lee as Dr. Kim Park, uh, the Caltech 
scientist and seismologist. And uh, what did you think of their relationship in the movie and the way they were portrayed? So my fan theory is that they are um, life partners, not just colleagues. And Mm. watching the film with that perspective, like the scene where Kim is brutally destroyed by like uh, the the dam collapsing, I think it adds a lot of layers to Paul Giamatti's uh, performance in this film so that's how I like to that's my canon for this movie is that they were together and he lost um, love of his life mm. that part and, of the movie. and see it's funny because I, again I had never seen the movie before so and I read your notes before I watched the movie and so I had that theory in my head watching it and and it added, it added some uh, gravity to to these scenes Chris especially like the yeah. one on the dam where Kim saves the little girl that is, uh, you know, kind of hiding and then gets his foot like run through by one of the uh, beams or whatever the whatever is holding the dam together. And so he can't move because his foot's been impaled. So like the little girl, he throws the little girl to uh, Paul Giamatti and Paul Giamatti's like, come on, come on, Kim, you can make it. And Kim's like, no, nah, dog, it, it ain't going to work. I'm not going to be able to do. And so mm-hmm. like he tells the little girl to close her eyes and then. He gets he 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 gone. The bridge the bridge collapses, the dam collapses, and then like Paul Giamatti's got this look on his face that yeah, like if you if you subscribe to the theory that they were more than colleagues, then yeah, that does add some weight to it. Yeah, yeah, I like yeah. To, I like to <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen this movie in a while, but I do like remember um, those two together, and yeah, I could I could. That, that's not a, a stretch for me to buy. Shout out to um, Caltech. I live only a couple blocks away. Uh, I sometimes uh, I've done symposiums and stuff like that over at Caltech. So, mm. um, got got a lot of love for all my science people over there. All right. So, what 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 would you say? You know, your two or three favorite things about San Andreas, Shane? Like, what you know, you talked about how much you love this movie. That it's a perfect movie. Like, what's the two or three things that that you like the most about this film? Um. Well, so we talked about earthquakes and like you know, living in California. That's like a huge existential mm. you know worry. And so this movie always just makes me feel happy, even though it's about like a disaster. <laughs> it's like this threat we all live with all the time. So I think there's that. Um, also, like, it is very goofy. Like, mm. the scene on the rooftop restaurant um, <laughs> where there's people slipping and sliding and falling and running into things and people <laughs> on fire. Like, a lot of pratfalls, a lot of physical, <laughs> maybe mm. unintentional humor. Um, always, like, you know, grips me. I think, like, this movie doesn't drag at any point, even though it's, like, two hours long. I didn't realize it was that long until this yeah. morning when I was looking at how much time I had to watch it before this podcast um I, I think it doesn't drag it's just entertaining all the way through um and I initially like I said I think I went to see this because I thought it would be like probably fun to like laugh at but I, I it actually it gets me every time I like really am invested in the characters I'm invested in the rock getting over his grief um and it's just a fun ride but um probably the biggest thing this movie's been like stuck in my head since I saw it sometimes like how you get a song stuck in your head this movie's <laughs> been stuck in my head since I saw it and I think the biggest reason why is because when you start to think about the ending mm-hmm. and the rock's job in this movie and how he leaves his job and steals a helicopter to go <laughs> save his daughter like he is in huge this isn't even really a fan theory he's in huge legal trouble at the end of this movie so mm. 
just to break it down, um, not only like we talked about him stealing like every vehicle, um, in California, when you're a public employee, you uh, have to sign this thing like when you sign your contract and it's like an oath where you pledge your loyalty to the constitution. You say you're not gonna overthrow the government and that you'll be a service. It's really like heavy to sign. Yeah, like, yeah. First I've, 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 I've had to sign that. I have to sign it every semester or so. so. <laughs> it's wild, yeah. And so like, like, so teachers have to do that. Any public employee has to do that. And part of it is like, you pledge to be a disaster service worker if there's a state of emergency, like mm. if there's an earthquake or whatever. Um, and so like every year, because I'm a teacher, every year, like we have a staff meeting where we have to like talk about like being prepared for a disaster and like for 72 hours after a disaster, like if you're at school, when it happens, you have to stay at school and like be a disaster service worker and watch kids whose parents haven't come to pick them up. Mm. And if you abandon your post, um, the law says you're guilty of perjury and it's pun- punishable by imprisonment um, for two, three or four years. So Ooh. You could go to jail if you abandon your post. And that's like for me as a teacher, like mm. the rock is a firefighter <laughs> whose job is to save people. But immediately when the earthquake hits, he goes to save his ex-wife or maybe they're not officially divorced. And then uh, we can only assume turns off his radio. Cause we don't hear all these calls coming in and goes straight for San Francisco to save his daughter. Um, so he's going to be in trouble for that. He also crashes uh, his helicopter into like a business and like there are many witnesses. So like that business is their insurance is going to call LA fire department and say like, why is this helicopter in our business? What is going on? So like I said, at the end, he's going to be in a lot of trouble. He's done. He has only saved, he only saves his daughter and maybe yeah. that one lady outside of AT&T park. And that's it. Right. Yeah. Which again, like makes the ending of this movie, like, sir, how, how dare you have the audacity to stand on the edge of the the remnants of this island of San Francisco and act like you're the new leader for this colony. <laughs> yeah, so that always we rebuild. <laughs> yeah, he's not rebuilding anything. He's running. He needs to get out. Of there. Um, Go back to Canada. Chris, what what what's your favorite thing about this film? So, um, I did um like the the family dynamic with The Rock, uh, Carla mm. Gugino, and even um, Alexander, Alexander, what is it, Daddario? Um, Daddario, Daddario. Yeah, she's, she's, she's a fine actress. I, you know, if you get past the, you know, the miscasting of, mm. uh, you know, but she, she's, she's fine. Um, she's, um, how old is she now? She, she's not that, I'm a born in 81. She's born in 86. So I'm like five years older than her. She's fine. She, I think she, she can have a. I think there's still time for her to have a, um, a decent Hollywood career. Um, Gugino, I just, I've, I've liked her for a long, long time. I've always thought she, yeah. she's got this charisma about her. Um, I wish that um, Colton Haynes from um, Arrow. Um, yeah, that, your, your man, uh, Roy, uh, Roy uh, Speedy. Yeah, um, I wish yeah. he had a, a bigger part because I remember when he got cast in this movie uh-huh. and he left Arrow and he, mm. he talked about this movie a lot. Roy Harper. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he, ta- he talked about this movie a lot in his interviews and it, it, it might let me th- think he was going to be like one of the um, 
main people in the movie, nope. or at least the post. <laughs> but but he, he he does get his name on the credits. But yeah, I thought he was going to be a bigger part of this movie too. But I yeah, guess but, Chris, to yeah. be fair to the movie. Like when when you gotta you gotta give Kylie Minogue that hot screen time. We ain't got time for Colton Haynes. Yeah, hey, man. <laughs> I, 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 I I am here for Kylie Minogue. Uh, I I might be in the minority. Kylie Kylie Minogue is my boo thing. Um, so, um, I, Chris I, just can't I, get her out of his head. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, so um. But I'm, I'm, she's she's actually been decent in some movies though. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I've, you know, I, I've um, I'm a fan of uh, Kylie Minogue. Uh, but um, yeah, I thought the movie was it's it's a fun movie. If you thought mm-hmm. The Rock acted um, it had a lot of ill will in this movie, Shane, you definitely don't want to see Walking Tall. Cause that dude is just breaking all kind of laws left and right in that movie, and he's a good guy. Uh, this one, I thought after seeing Walking Tom, this one I'm kind of like, yeah, he's breaking rules, but <laughs> you know, it's it's whatever for movie purposes. I'm able to just ignore it, you know. I think the thing I like the most about this, besides, like, I feel like Carla might be. The, the best cast love interest that The Rock's had in a film up to this point. Uh, even, you know, the daughter aside, like, I think Carla and Rock had good chemistry. Uh, I like Paul Giamatti a lot. Uh, I thought, you know, Lawrence and, and Kim were a good little team. I think my favorite thing, though, was maybe just the spectacle, Shane. Like, 18, like anytime you can work in a baseball stadium into your movie, like that's 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 a good selling point. Like so, AT and T Park was cool seeing that. Like just seeing all the bridges and everything crumble, and you know buildings going down. Like again, like it surprises me that the budget was only uh, 112 million because I would have thought this was you know maybe closer to 200 million. I totally agree. I think too. Yeah, I forgot to say that, but the fact that I think it's one of the few movies that like takes place in California, and I feel like does a good job of like oh like different landmarks in san francisco oh to go from la to san francisco they pass by bakersfield and it's on fire like things like that that as californians it's like oh yeah who's the who's the director of this again uh this was the work of brad payton okay so to piggyback off of what shane is saying yeah and, and and that's kind of my thing with these movies too that's why i wasn't the biggest fan of um the the movie that we reviewed the last time um uh, empire state mm-hmm. because the in in certain movies especially a movie like san andreas the city the state mm-hmm. wherever it takes place it does become a character in the movie um right, and, right. It, and there's a real art to um to capturing that you know um and it's not always captured and i do and i do give um the director of san andreas um credit for this you know what i'm saying for for that because you know you see these landmarks um and if you're someone that's from the state you definitely identify with that it's like oh yeah you you know it it, it doesn't feel like a, a mocking of um the state 
So they, they didn't try to pass Vancouver off as Los Angeles, is what you're saying. Nah, nah. And you could always <laughs> tell when they do that, too. And it's always the overhead shots. And you know, that's one of the – yeah. Yeah, I do think, like, yeah, they got the scenery right. Like, it it, it feels like a real city. Um, I think another thing I like about this, Shane, is disaster movies are – by nature, formulaic. You know, there's going to be a disaster. There's going to, there's always going to be somebody that finds out a disaster's coming. We're going to figure out like what we're going to do when it comes. The disaster comes, and then who lives, who dies, who tells the story. To quote Hamilton again, uh, like how do we get out of the disaster? So like, there's not a lot of ways that you can vary the formula. Like the formula is what it is. But I feel like they do the best they can to make this movie kind of stand apart from some of these other disaster type films. And it's very interesting because the rock after this will do skyscraper. That's, you know, not as big a scope as San Andreas, but it's very similar. And I feel like this maybe does what skyscraper wants to do a little bit better than skyscraper. Yeah, I totally agree. Like they've got the earthquakes, but it's like ongoing. And we got, I think what makes this movie not drag is we've got all these little side stories that we keep cutting to and like mm-hmm. great like end of scene lines <laughs> before we go to the next scene. Like, sir, where did you get your hat? Or like Paul Giamatti <laughs> saying they're going to feel us on the East Coast. Like, and then jumps to the next thing. So it, it really holds your attention in that way. And then also like you mentioned. Daniel dies like, on the freeway. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So that scene, that's what I was going to talk about. The tsunami scene, the tone is all over the place, but it's kind of entertaining because like. <laughs> It's tragic. The Golden Gate Bridge is destroyed, but then it's like a laugh moment when yes. Daniel is crushed, and then it cuts to like the wharf, and there's like this old couple doing like a Titanic moment, hugging each other as they're swept away by waves. So it's like it's all over the place. <laughs> yeah, it. like that. That was weird because yeah, like you, Daniel dying is supposed to be like this triumphant moment of the the heel <laughs> getting his comeuppance, but then right after that, like oh yeah, by the way, these old people died too, and it's like huh. I don't know what I don't know what you want from me, movie. <laughs> and then and then shortly after, so the Rock and uh, his wife like go over they, they go over the tsunami, which you're supposed to do. You're supposed to I guess drive your boat towards the wave before it crests, which I didn't yeah. know, but I guess that's what you're supposed to do. And then they're back in the city and like actively passing by people saving other people mm. <laughs> while they're looking for their daughters. So they're like not helping anyone. They're just like, yeah, let's still try to find our daughter. <laughs> yeah. And then we get like the, uh, I think the like the underwater scene that kind of closes the movie when he rescues finally rescues his daughter. Like that's a tense, good action scene. Uh, but again, Chris, like the 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 audacity of this man. Right. To... Yeah. The, 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 the one thing I will give his, I've seen annoying ass children of protagonists in movies. <laughs> And they're like, you you actually are kind of wanting something to happen to them. <laughs> At least with their daughter, I wasn't there with her. Mm. But yeah, yeah, you're you're definitely right. It's like you know, it's it it, it definitely brings uh how heroic is this guy? You know what I'm mm. saying? It's like you 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 you're caring about you know your main you know and it's it's even do you even want to get the girl back because you <laughs> genu- genuinely want to save your daughter 
or are you trying to score points with your ex-wife because she's with an asshole? Yeah. You know? It's um it it add, those are some good philosophical questions to to ask about this movie. Well, that's that's the question though. Like, what? Because again, like I feel like it's a little bit murky, Shane. But I I feel like they're maybe more estranged than divorced. So like, yeah, there's still some connection there. But like, yeah, like this. <laughs> I feel like they they there's definitely like if this were a se- if they if they made a sequel, they would definitely be back together in the sequel. Uh, but. Yeah, like, I, I feel like The Rock, this could have been a Bruce Willis role, because he feels like the guy that has some problems, has some issues, but you're rooting for him anyway, even though, like, he probably was a bad husband and bad father when they were actually together. Absolutely, yeah. Well, yeah, at the beginning, you're right, they're not divorced yet, because he hasn't signed the papers yet, and he's, like, kind of petty, and he's like, I'll sign your papers for you. <laughs> he drives away. <laughs> so, I like I like Petty Rock in this movie. It's good. <laughs> Oh, and then we get the we get the great moment at the end where uh, his daughter's rescued and they're over the cliff and and uh, he's like turns to the boys that have that have watched over his daughter. Thank you for watching over Blake. And then they're like, it was really Blake who watched over us. And I was like, really? Yeah. Well, I, okay. Side note: the guy who plays um, what's his name? The guy who plays the love interest for the daughter looks just like the Miz. Am I wrong? He looks just like that. Because in the movie, uh, when I went to see this, I whispered that to my husband when we were watching this movie. And then, of course, my husband was like, shh, because he hates it when I talk during movies. But like, he looks like the Miz to me. I can't not see it. Oh, that see, Chris, that would have made this movie better for you if the Miz was, was up in here. <laughs> Chris, Chris, Chris is like, I, I, I'm not here for the Miz in these movies. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like that. Those are our thoughts on San Andreas. Before we kind of wrap things up this month, Shane. Uh, well, we're still gonna let Chris just kind of. I'm here. I'm here. I, yeah, I don't know what's going on, but like, we're still gonna let Chris like kind of bask in the glow of the Miz being in this movie. Like that's that's what would have made this movie great for Chris. <laughs> uh, before we get to our ratings, um. What would you say would be the thing about this film that you dislike the most? Because even though you said it's a perfect movie, everything came from perfect thing. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah, I think definitely, like, I like how all the characters are written, and I like how the daughter's written. The casting just bums me out. And, like, mm-hmm. if they had to cast, um, you know, a white actress as his daughter, which they didn't, they could have at least cast um, Ben and Ollie, the two brothers, to be non-white characters because mm-hmm. the movie is so white like even though kim is in the movie he dies immediately and then we have the um yeah reporter but that's about it and then the rock like i said it's written so like as a white guy <laughs> a white guy yeah so that's like my one thing that really bums mm-hmm. me out about this movie Other than that, yeah especially if you're, if you're talking about an area like uh the bay area or los angeles where it's very ethnically diverse exactly yeah, yeah. and there would have been um a lot more Asians working at Caltech as well. Um, mm. I, I, I can promise you that. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, that that, that is uh, an interesting point. Like I didn't think about it while watching the movie, but now that you mention, it, it's like yeah, this movie was very, very uh, Eurocentric, shall we say? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. It's a bummer. Uh, Chris, uh, was there any 
anything you didn't like about this film before we get to our final ratings? My, the thing I didn't like about it is just kind of more so the, the just the, the the lazy casting. Um, it just didn't, <laughs> and and I thought that there was they had a chance. The, the, the movie should have been, you know, this isn't just me being the diversity police or anything. This movie <laughs> would have benefited from diversity, especially if your if your mm. main cities are gonna be like the Bay Area in Los Angeles, you know, um, <clears throat> you just owe it to yourself to have a diverse cast. And this movie was definitely um, lacking that in a lot of areas. You know what they should have did? And, and this, to me, this would have made this movie a hundred times better, Shane. If we like, we keep everybody, uh, we keep The Rock, we keep Carter Gugino, we keep, uh, you know, your man Giamatti. But we just changed the kids, right? And instead of uh, who we had as Blake, we get uh, uh, Alexa Vega as The Rock and Carter Gugino's daughter. And uh, we bring in uh, Daryl Sabara as their son. We get Carmen and Junie from Spy Kids (laughs) as The Rock's kids. And instead of Mr. Fantastic playing Daniel, we get Antonio Banderas playing Daniel. And then this oh whole God. movie, this whole movie takes on a whole new meaning, Shane. Can we do an episode on Spy Kids, Nate? <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorites. Oh, and then, oh, because then we can bring in, like, this, yeah, this should have been a Spy Kids rock crossover, because then we could have had Danny Trejo in here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, my this- God. Yes. <laughs> Look oh. at But see, and here, here's the thing, though, Chris. This is how we're going to take it to the next level. Danny Trejo will be in the movie, right? But he's not gonna play. He's not gonna play the granddad from Spy Kids. He's gonna play Machete. So we got a Spy <laughs> Kids Machete rock crossover, a three way dance. <laughs> hey, I can be San Andreas too. Oh yeah, that would have been great. That would have been great. But we can't talk about what we want the movie to be. We have to talk about what the movie is, and that brings us to our ratings. And for anybody that hasn't listened to the show. We have a patented five-point rating scale. So, if you think this movie was perfect, if it was great, if it's excellent, if it's Oscar-worthy, and Dwayne The Rock Johnson is great in the movie, that's a five out of five. We just went one-on-one with a great one. If you think a movie is good but not quite perfect, if uh, it's enjoyable and The Rock is is solid in the movie, that's a four out of five. That's a people's chance. Now, if a movie is just there, it's neither good nor bad, you know, it's just kind of a solid film, and then The Rock, again, is is solid in it. He's not offensive in it. That's a three out of five. That's a know-your-role. Now, if a movie is bad, but it's not terrible, like there are still some redeeming qualities, like maybe the writing's bad, but DJ's good in it, or maybe DJ's not quite as good, but the cast around him is good, that's a two out of five. That's a jabroni joint. But, Chris and Shane, if a movie is terrible, if a movie is garbage, if it has no redeeming qualities, if a movie is doomed, that's a one out of five. That's a rock bottom. So, Shane, I think I know where you're going with this, but on our patented rating scale, what would you give 2015's San Andreas? Oh, I have to go one-on-one with the great one. This is a five. Mm. This is a thousand out of five. I love this movie so much. Love it so much. Uh, I figured that's what that's what we were going with this. So Shane, 
gives it a five out of five, one-on-one with the great one. Chris, what would you give San Andreas? I give it a three out of five. It's not, like, offensively bad. It's not even, <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's not even, like, I can, I could put my nephews in front of this movie. Mm-hmm. They'd watch it. They'd shut the fuck up. And... <laughs> They'd leave me alone, and that movie would babysit them for whatever the runtime of it is. All right, um, and um, I can watch it. Like I can, if if I was still dating, if I didn't have a girlfriend, and I, you know, bought a girl was coming to my place, they'd watch this movie <laughs> and and be fine with it. So, um, you know, that's. I, <laughs> It's a solid three out of five. There's, it's it's not a cinematic masterpiece. This movie is not, um, uh, it's not, uh, um, what's it called? It's not um, Schindler's List or anything like that. It's not. <laughs> that's the um, that's movie you're going with Schindler's List. It's it's not um, it's not Citizen Kane, but it's, <laughs> it's fine for what it what it's supposed to be. Mm. Yeah. So Chris goes three out of five. I know you're rolling. Now I'm just imagining Shane. I'm imagining Chris and his girlfriend watching this movie, <laughs> and they get to the scene where uh, the old people are swept away by the tsunami. And he's like, "Girl, this could be us, but you playing?" Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Shane gave it a five out of five. Chris gave it a three out of five. And here's where I'm going to go with this one because I feel like. For a movie to be a five out of five, it would have to be a movie where I would go to the theater and pay full price. For a movie to be a one out of five or a two out of five, like that's a movie where I might watch it through nefarious means. Uh, but if a movie's a three or a four out of five, like that's a movie I would rent or, you know, check out on Netflix, something like that. And so for this, I watched it on YouTube. Uh, so, you know, I paid four bucks or whatever to watch it this week and I feel like I got my money's worth I, I didn't feel like uh, it was uh, a waste of time like I did when I bought Doom like that that's four dollars and fifty cents I'll never get back from from that time I bought Doom on YouTube uh but San Andreas yeah that's that's a five dollar movie that's a, that's a movie I can watch on a rainy day I can watch you know uh on a, on a lazy Sunday afternoon have some fun with it the rock's good in it Giamatti's out here uh, acting his heart out in this film. Uh, Carla Gugino's good. Uh, Mr. Fantastic got a check, you know. So, like, I would rank this because it's not a one or a two. It's not a five. Sorry, Shane. So, the question then is, is it a know your role or is it a people's champ? And I'm going to say this is this is a know your role because I rated Hercules a know your role. And I think like watching Hercules and San Andreas back to back, like that's a fun afternoon. It's two very different rocks, but I think it's a fun afternoon. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to give it a three out of five. Like if you haven't seen it, uh, it's definitely worth like a rental on YouTube or if it's uh, on like uh, Amazon prime and you already got Amazon prime, then it's definitely worth checking out. Uh like, I wouldn't get the deluxe Blu-ray edition if such a thing exists. I uh, you Wow. <laughs> What's, so is there anything different in the deluxe Blu-ray edition, Shane? 
to be honest, I've only ever used it just to watch the movie, and this morning I ran out of time, so I didn't get to look at special features. So I have, like, the DVD Blu-ray combo. <laughs> See, the the only way, like, I'll tell you what would have bumped this up to a four for me, Shane, and then, like, if we're not going to do the Spy Kids Machete crossover, what would have bumped this up is if we saw more of The Rock as, like, this inspirational figure to the people in the community. Cause then yeah. I feel like, I feel like you earned that moment at the end of the film. If like he's, if he's been helping everybody else as well as his daughter, then we earn that moment. But like, no, sir, like you, you only helped like two people. And I yeah. feel like the other lady he helped, like that was just out of convenience. Like that, she would have been fine. Yeah, exactly. Like, so yeah, you only helped your daughter, sir. And, and like Shane said, you probably going to jail. So you know, that, that moment at the end. He's going to jail if they can catch him. What do we do now, Ray? We rebuild. Like, sir, no, you you do not rebuild. You you get in that helicopter and you fly to New York. That's how you get out of this. Uh, so yeah, that is our ratings uh, for San Andreas. Shane again gave it a five out of five. Chris and I gave it a three out of five. So uh, yeah, definitely check it out if you haven't seen it before. If you haven't watched it in a while. Uh, so right, before yeah. we. Before we get out of here, got to go around the room and then find out what everybody's doing, where everybody can check each other out. So, Shane, uh, take some time right now to uh, let the people know, you know, if, if you want to give out your social or uh, more importantly, if you want to promote, you know, talking about helping people. If you want to promote a little something called uh, Lucy Recycles, let the people know about what Lucy got going on here. Oh, thank you so much. So, um, yeah, you can find me my Instagram. I have a drawing Instagram. I draw a lot in my free time. So my Instagram is at Shane draws it all one word. And then on there, um, you can find a link to a book I wrote. Um, it's an illustrated children's ebook that I wrote and illustrated called Lucy Recycles. And so, you know, unlike earthquakes, uh, climate change, sustainability, those are things we can do something about. So mm -hmm. I wrote and illustrated this book because I was seeing a lot of gaps in uh, my students' understanding of like why recycling is important, why sustainability is important important how it's related to climate change um and even though it's aimed towards like elementary kids i've had adults read it and say like oh i learned a lot of stuff about recycling reducing and reusing so if you want to check that out the website for that is www.lucyrecyclesbook.org or you can just go to my instagram at shane draws it and it's linked in my bio very cool yeah i checked i checked it out chris it's very very cute like very relatable to the kids and yeah it's got a good message so you know, awesome. so like as Captain Captain Planet would say, the power is yours, children. <laughs> save save the Earth. Uh, Chris <laughs> Ely, um, what have you got going on? Let the people know you uh, where they can find you on, on uh, social media. And, uh, you know, any any final words before uh, the election? Because, uh, you know, again, people are listening to this. They're either very happy or very anxious or they're busy stocking up uh you know getting a militia ready so let people know uh you know all that good stuff brother well just yeah calm down for now let's just see what happens um i um the lincoln project um just make sure um that you make um a donation to that if you haven't yet like five bucks or whatever you can give um because this is our home run stretch um i don't have a a personal page with um, the Lincoln Project in it, so um, I, I did talk to them about doing that for for people that are that are members. So 
hopefully mm. that happens soon because we are going to I don't know what my role is going to be with the Lincoln Project after um, the election, but they are going to exist. And I'm really, like, satisfied with the work that I've been doing with them. Um, mm-hmm. And then also uh, Real Power Dynamics is my podcast, and we're set for, um, like, a relaunch. I'm just kind of um, seeing what's going on. But just make sure you're out there and you're, you're voting and you're staying engaged. Um, And this election season, more than ever, it's important to vote for the the right candidate because as an educator, um, and um, I'm sure Shane is going, there are certain things that just aren't up for debate. Um, Science is not up for debate. You cannot believe in gravity all you want, but if you jump out the window, guess what the hell is going to happen? So we got to get <laughs> our discussions back to that point. Mm-hmm. And I think we're so far removed from that. You know, now it's like, oh, well, m- if I jump out the window, maybe air will catch me. You know, <laughs> and it's not going to happen. Mm, good stuff, Chris. Yeah, now, now I'm just imagining like uh, the day after the election, let's say Trump loses and uh or maybe a few days after, because we might have to wait wait a while, depending on these mail-in yeah. ballots. Uh, Rick Wilson and Chris are, like, standing on some cliff in Cala- Calabasas, you know, outside of the, the Lincoln Project headquarters, and Rick is like, what do we do now, Chris? And Chris is just like, <laughs> we rebuild, Rick. We rebuild. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, shout out to the Lincoln Project, because they, they do good work. You know, he, he, for Republicans, they do really good work. Right, right. Uh, but uh yeah that's where you can find chris and where you can find shane you can find me on twitter at in the number eight m-o-z-a-i-k at nate mosaic on twitter um as of this recording i will have started my uh my fill-in duties on rewind to raw uh so uh you know i'll be hanging Mm -hmm. out with john and way uh alternatively uh over the next few weeks uh and so, yeah, like I get to talk about all that's going on in the Thunderdome, and I don't know whether I should be happy or ex- or, or anxious about what I've signed on for. Um, you can also check out the Kings of Sport with myself and Marcus Vandenberg. We've taken a bit of a hiatus because uh, Marcus is, you know, coming down from that L.A. Dodger high that I'm sure Chris is coming off of after yep. the Dodgers <laughs> won, the, won the World Series. Um, and election is like right around the corner. So we're probably not going to drop a new show until after the election. Um, but you can check out our Patreon, patreon.com, uh, where we've got over a hundred hours of audio and video content. Uh, that's where you can find, uh, Chris's twenty twin twin, which, uh, we'll have to, we'll definitely have to do a wrap up episode for that. Um, after the election where Chris has kind of gone through, uh, the pluses and minuses, of the democratic field leading up to Joe Biden getting the nomination. And then he kind of handicapped the race between Biden and Trump for us. Uh, so that's on the, on the Patreon, the Nubian wrestling advocates is on the Patreon where the, the most recent episode, we did a tribute a retrospective on the new day. Um, you can find that. Um, there's a, there's a bunch of stuff on the Patreon. Check that out. Patreon.com backslash Kings of sport. Oh, speaking of Hamilton, there is, uh, by the time you listen to this, maybe a week or two from now, we're going to drop the first movie live watch that I've done on the Kings of Sport Patreon, where myself, 
uh, Vanessa Shark and Brittany Monet from the Black Lightning Podcast did a live watch of Hamilton. And it's a, a wonderful episode because Brittany and I are like Hamilton stands and Vanessa was badgered into watching it by us. She didn't want to watch it, but uh, the the results are podcast magic, so you can check that out. Uh, there's a lot of other stuff, you know, main event, uh, Black Lightning podcast, like I mentioned, but uh, just follow me on Twitter at in the number eight M L Z A I K, and you'll know when all that good stuff drops. Also, if you uh, need voiceover work in this holiday season, you know, maybe you're a scientist that works at Caltech and you need somebody to get the message out that an earthquake is coming. You can get this voice right now uh, on on your uh, on your message. So uh, anybody that needs, you know, podcast uh, voiceovers or uh, voiceover for business at a nonprofit, you can holler at me and we we can come to a reasonable price uh, for, for, for these services. You know, you can get this voice promoting your brand, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but speaking of promoting, let's promote what is going to be on the Rocky Maivia Picture Show next time, if there is a next time. If there is an America, the next time, it's going to be a, a great, a great movie, uh, one that I'm excited for because the Joes from Too Fast, Too Forever will be back with maybe one or two extra guests. And we'll be talking about 2015's Fast and Furious 7. All right, let's get to work. Hey, Roman, you freaking out? No. Yes, you are. <laughs> Should somebody just walk me through what we're supposed to be doing? Just when you didn't think you could get any better, huh? Here we go.
All right. So, yeah, that's that's the now that's a trailer, Shane. Like they didn't have to slow down a song and, and like like that's a trailer for you. <laughs> you're right. You're right. <laughs> like, like I wonder, Chris, like what would be like if, if they did that now with like a popular song? Uh, like like here's the thing. I don't want like I don't want to, to see a movie like because I think uh, have you seen the trailer for Bad Hair? Yeah, I have. But they got like the slowed down version of Velvet DeVoe's Poison. I'm like, you, now you're going too far. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, like I can imagine like five years from now, there'll be some horror thriller and they'll do, do like a slowed down, uh, down keyed version of WAP. And it's like, no, nobody <laughs> asked for this. Like, There's some holes in this house. Like nobody asked for that, man. Stop doing that. Oh my god, it would make me laugh so hard. I'd probably go see the movie. Though. That's the worst <laughs> this movie, I think. Um, so yes, next time we're talking about Fast and Furious Seven, which uh, obviously is the final uh, movie of the Fast series for Paul Walker. So uh, I'm sure that'll be like fun and emotional at the same time. So yeah, check that out next time on the Rocky Mile Via Picture Show. But for now, we're going to close down the theater. Uh, you can you can already see Chris. We like boarding up on the outside just in case. Uh, like looters and rioters, stay away from the theater, please. Uh, but before we get out of here, I want to thank Shane and Chris one more time. Shane, again, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for donating. We definitely appreciate that. And uh, yeah, this is something we've been trying to link up schedules for a while. So I'm glad we were able to make it happen. This is a dream come true. <laughs> <laughs> as a Review America fan and as a San Andreas fan. So yes, your worlds came together. Yeah. Much like Spy Kids and Machete and The Rock. <laughs> <laughs> uh and Chris, like we, we always appreciate you having you in here, brother. And uh, like I'm not I'm sure this won't be uh the last time uh, you you on this show, man. Yeah, yeah, sure. Chris is like, yeah, let's let, let me get through the week first. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, want to send a shout out to Shane and Chris. Also, shout out to uh, Austin James and Robert Pearson for the uh, graphic work for the show. Braden Harrington, uh, brother Braden from the BDE for the theme song of this show, and of course John Pollock and Wei Ting, the proprietors of Post Wrestling. So that is going to bring this edition of the Rocky Mountain View Picture Show to an end. Everybody out there, be safe, uh, be smart uh, in these uh, in these uncertain times. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll be back uh, to talk some Fast and Furious. So, for Shane McDonough, for Chris the Professor Ely, and for Dwayne the Rock Johnson, I am the Godfather Nate Milton. And remember, Nubian eyes are watching We'll see you next time, folks.
coon tang your ass on out of here. Ah! Oh! I can't believe it! <laughs>